some of you all have asked, and uh, so it's easier just to say, uh, I've had eye surgery in the last few weeks, and so I'm uh, I'm trying to go without glasses. You you could certainly say I once was blind, and I I see better, but we're still working on this uh, deal as well. And remember, we're on a really spectacular journey together. At least I would call it spectacular. Um, it's, there's always something rich when you come together with other folks and tackle something uh, as one. And um, the task is uh, a, a heart uh, uh, work for ourselves and for our community um, with uh, using the prodigal God, the book, The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. So we now come to chapter 4 and... Uh, I hope you have embraced this, uh, the momentum of this, and I hope, I hope you're in a small group or are going to come to Impact tonight and join a small group for discussion about the prodigal God. Uh, we ask for you to grab the book um, and to begin to read it as we make our way through Lent towards Easter, and um, as, as well as to uh, listen to our reflections from John or Tyler and I on Sunday mornings. And if you recall, a week ago, uh, we were speaking to the topic of redefining sin and uh, with some helpful insights about uh, that idea of you can miss the mark in lots of ways. You can miss the mark by being bad and you can miss the mark, which is the definition of the New Testament definition of sin, by being very, very good and leveraging that goodness against God to say, you owe me. And so we press further now on this topic in a similar fashion. Not only have we talked then in chapter 3, redefining sin, here we have this morning, redefining lostness. And if you are like me, especially when I read this book the first time, um, that insight just kind of overwhelmed me. Oh my gosh, I am elder brother-ish. Elder brotherish was a phrase used before the end of this chapter to describe someone like who is like many of us, maybe all of us who are here. But it certainly has described me as well at times, and I'm fearful that I can slip back into that as well. For remember, there are two paths to lostness. And the fact of the matter is, we all start out lost. We are born into lostness. We don't begin found. We begin lost. Whether it is by the way of self-discovery, as Timothy Keller describes it, or the way of moral rectitude, as Timothy describes it, one way or the other, or we've tried both ways or are living both ways. And of course, the task here and the task again this morning is to look at the one that is the most dangerous but less obvious of the two ways of lostness. This one we can call the self-salvation project. We're going to do it the old-fashioned way. We're going to earn our righteousness. God will owe me because I'm trying so hard to do what he expects me to do. It's this elder son behavior. And uh, we're trying to be our own savior. I'm going to do it. That eye gets magnified. And so we go through this kind of project in this fashion We expect that our goodness is going to pay off big time. That means bad things don't happen to us or they happen less often because God owes us. And we begin to develop a strong sense of superiority. Remember the publican, as he was described, um, 
the, uh, the, the legal fellow and the tax collector kneeling side by side in repentance. But it's the publican, the self-righteous one, the self-saved one who says, I thank God I'm not like this tax collector. I do tithe. I do this and I do that. And we begin to grow an air of superiority, which whether we are aware of it or not, others become aware of it. And there is a joylessness about this as we grit our teeth and try harder and a kind of fear-based compliance to the letter of the law. Even though Paul himself were right, you know, the letter of the law kills. It's the spirit of the law that gives gives life. He says that in one of his letters. But it's a fear-based moralism of, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be good so I don't go to hell trying to be good, I'm trying to be good, so God will owe me. Something unfortunate happens to us, and we immediately think, what have I done wrong? I must have done something wrong. I will try harder. God must be punishing me. How many times have we been tempted to say that or have said that out of this sense of uh, being a a lost one in the self-salvation project? And finally, there's never any real assurance that God really loves me or even cares about me. I have to be really, really good for God to love me, don't I? And so we have a rather dry prayer life in all this as it just becomes a kind of going through the motions, going through the steps of what we think we ought to do and we should do. The self-salvation project, the elder brother project, the being your own savior project. And then that word appears here as we try to perhaps dodge that bullet is elder brotherish, elder brotherishness. Is you may not be a full blown elder brother, but there's some of us, again, as I ask, is it all of us? It certainly has been me. It perhaps is me right in this moment. And so there are symptoms that Timothy Keller gives us in chapter four. You know, when you go to see the physician, the doctor, and he says, well, what are your symptoms? And if you have a fever and you've got a cough and you're having headaches and you go through the symptoms and he says, well, you got the flu, achy joints too. Yeah. Oh, you got the flu bug. And so here is the description that Keller gives us to help us to perhaps see ourselves condescending, looking down on others is one of them, condemning of others and their behaviors and an anxiety and anxiousness about our lives never really sure that we're okay with God and so always feeling like we've got to try harder the peace of God which passes all understanding or the peace that Jesus said Jesus said once my peace I give to you my own peace not as the world gives this is a different kind of peace and we've never known that peace because of our anxiety. And so there's a profound insecurity where we ought to be. We wish we could say, I'm saved. And we're more like being really, well, I hope I'm saved. I hope I've done enough. I, I, I'm trying. And there's this uh, just insecurity about our lives. And again, what comes with all of that in these symptoms being described of this lost individual is joylessness. And under that joylessness or all around that person's life is a degree of anger 
which is not very Christian at all as we try to be very Christian. We're either angry at God because He's not doing it the way we think He ought to do it, and He needs to do better with my life because look at all I'm giving to Him. You hear the elder son and all that in that story, you know? Look what I've done for you. I'm not coming into the party. I've labored here all my life, and you've never, you know, just this anger that comes up. Or there can be anger at oneself as well, that you're not living up to your own demands and law and expectations. And so there's, there's an anger towards yourself even. Well, there's a lot of bad news in that. And there's a lot of good news. But we don't get it by the end of chapter 4. Because now we've heard very clearly through these chapters what lostness looks like, whether it's an elder brother or a younger brother kind of lostness. And really the question then is, well, is there a path to foundness? Is there a foundness path? John Stott, a wonderful Christian writer, recently deceased, gives a hint of what this path to foundness is when he writes, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. There's a way out of this lostness. Pride is the greatest enemy, condescending, condemning, anxious, insecure, joyless, anger person who is rooted in pridefulness finally. Pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. So chapter 4 ends with a line creating great suspense. Keller writes, I think it's the last paragraph, it may even be the last sentence of chapter 4, Jesus deliberately left out someone out left someone out of the parable he did this so that we could look for him and find our way home at last oh we got a cliffhanger here leading us forward into chapter five leading us towards a third path leading us towards the door to foundness leading us towards true north stay tuned let's see where it takes us amen